When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Courtside Fracker. Uh, this week I'm joined by Yes. How's it going, Yes? What's going on, mate? All good? All good? How are things? Yeah, not too bad. Sound a bit down, Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, are you sure it's all good? <laughs> We're getting to that at the end, innit? People want to come at me straight away. I'm, I'm not going to be positive today. I'm only bringing positivity for, for, for Celtic Nation. Okay, cool. Uh, Greg, how's it going, mate? I'm doing good, man. A lot better than yes. I'm doing. I'm doing great. Yes, great stuff. Good to you. Good lot, you lot on your neutral lives, just <laughs> doing the game for what it is. Must be nice. <laughs> Look at this stress-free face. Enjoy the game for its, its purity. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of game. Cool, cool. A lot of hustle, man. Uh, before we start, I just wanted to take a second just to remind those of you who may not have listened to it yet. We recorded an episode earlier this week, myself. Greg and Kay, where we were talking about Kobe Bryant. So really it's just a, just a conversation, just an appreciation. So um, it's for people who may already be Kobe fans, or if you've never watched him before and just wanted to hear a bit about what he meant to some guys who've been watching the league for, for a little while, just check it out. Um, it's called a Kobe conversation. Uh, before we get into the main bulk of the pod, um, just a couple of bits and pieces from around the league, which uh, made us chuckle a little bit want to get you guys' thoughts on that. Um, I'm going to start on Mr. Bubble, Jamal Murray. Um, doesn't seem to have started so well this season for, for a variety of reasons, I'm imagining. Um, but he's reached a new low, no pun intended, uh, after being ejected against uh, the Mavericks uh, with a low blow on Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, how much worse does it get for Mr. Murray, guys? Do you know what it's like? I didn't know whether to be proud of him or embarrassed for him. It's like, oh, go on, Jamal. You got a bit of fight that I didn't know you... Oh, that's a bit weird. Oh, all right. Uh, okay, yeah. And it was just after, like, a little shovel or something as well. And, um, yeah, it was a bit bit strange. So, for anyone who hasn't seen the clip, obviously, he, he struck another man, but he struck him in a region that I personally would not put my hands 
just you yeah, know, we, we, we don't do that again. Man. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we didn't we didn't practice these before. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of a weird one. Luckily, the Nuggets are are you know fourth in the West. So they're doing a little bit better than they were, you know, this time last week or two weeks ago. So uh, I suppose it can be somewhat overlooked. I think there'd be a more eyes and attention on it. Someone in the dick, then it would have been uh, <laughs> un, un, unavoidable for days, probably, and, and analyzed to the hilt. Mm. Agreed, agreed. And with the job that Jokic is doing at the moment, uh, probably probably didn't mind Murray uh, chilling out for a bit and, and taking a taking a breather for the rest of that game. Uh, the second one, um, actually, you tweeted about this, yes, funnily enough. Uh, we've spoken about free throws on this this pod um, quite a bit, and it, it personally irks me when I see professional basketballers who are not able to make at the bare minimum. Uh, one and two of their free throws. And really, for me, that's the bare minimum. But I think, like you said, and I think I probably agree, probably the worst free throw of this season uh, thus far has come from uh, the Hawks' Clint Capella. He's having a he's having a very solid season thus far. But, yes, what are we going to do about that, man? I, I, I can't take it anymore. Do you know what? There's there's airballing free throws, and he's got previous of that at Houston, but there's airballing free throws that are, are they're straight. And the trajectory is there; it's just short. Uh, Giannis did one again last night, by the way, where he he still had his he still had his follow through in the air for about ten seconds. It felt like, and he just couldn't believe what he'd done again. But how Clint had managed to veer it off so wide that it touched no rim whatsoever, um, and he and and the Hawks hadn't missed the free throw that whole up to that point. It was like they were like seven a of seven, of, a couple of feet to the to the left. So. It was awful. <laughs> it was like, I don't, I don't know, Greg. You have standards in terms of in terms of how the game should be played. Does that not just make you a bit sick? And you think of the millions and think I, I can make free throws. Yeah, I mean, free throws are one of those things where it's just like, no matter who you are as a basketball player, it's just consistent. It's the same distance. It's the same shot. Like all things considered, everybody has an equal opportunity at making a free throw. Um, so it, it does kind of scratch my head when I see professional NBA players that not just miss free throws or shoot free throws badly like a poor percentage but missed them so badly uh yeah it's, it's very mind-boggling I, I i genuinely think it's unforgivable because obviously we know like in late in games it makes you a liability for your team but they are essentially they are free points why would you yeah. not practice and hone your skills <laughs> in that area where you're not a liability for your team late in games and you're able to pick up three points at, at, at the at the basket unopposed it, it's just it's baffling to me man but i feel yeah, like it's just practice Practice like like AI says, practice, man. Um, cool. Um, I guess where we'll start this week, um, we'll talk about um all stars. Um, voting started on the 28th, it's gonna end up the 16th of January. I'm seeing all the graphics popping up, some on the courtside account. I think I've seen one from you, Greg. I'm seeing everybody's um tweeting out their all stars so far. Um, I'm probably gonna wait till a few days before it closes, personally speaking. Um, but I'll start with you, yes. Uh, since your Celtics were on yesterday and you had a, a couple of guys who who did really well and probably are very much in the, the all-star starter conversation. Um, let's start in the Eastern Conference. Um, who do you have currently down as your, your starters? Yeah, I think it's a weird one this year in that there's, there's the starters, which I think there's a few debates there to have. And then the reserves are kind of... It, the all-star weekend all-star game whatever you call it is a popularity contest you know people are going to get in there kind of regardless of performance based off their name and can be forgiven for not playing as many games and all of that stuff so it's a funny one where i'm sort of focusing is i feel like there's so many 
players in the league who maybe deserve a nod, especially this year where maybe they've had the platform to perform, where people have missed time with injury and COVID and the Knicks not being embarrassing and stuff like that. Um, so I, I got a big, big near miss, almost all-star list. And the almost all-stars are probably the ones that interest me the most. But um, in terms of starters for the East, and look, this, this could change as well. It's early, but the voting has opened up and stuff. So it is kind of, dominating the discussion now um i think i think the front court kind of picks itself in the east if i'm honest um kevin durant is in for me without any shadow of a doubt he's yeah he's on mad form despite the low uh minutes and uses that maybe he would be if he wasn't coming off that uh injury joel Embiid is an mvp candidate right now that again goes without saying the bucks are kind of what middling and a bit of a strange season. But again, if you look at kind of what, Yann- well, Greg is not a Yanis guy at times. So. No, I like Yanis. So, I just feel like he has his very obvious flaws. He has his very obvious flaws, but we'll see if, we, I don't know about starter for, for Greg. And again, I feel like Yanis is kind of a no-brainer in terms of the start conversation. It's the backcourt yeah. that is most interesting to me because Harden and Kyrie, oh, yeah, lovely stuff, you know. Oh, the next big three, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. But interesting. They, they both missed time. Um... Uh, hard, well, hard, 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 hard and Harden, I personally wouldn't start, but I, I, but we know he'll. Yeah, probably... Harden maybe hasn't technically missed time, but he's uh, his body was on the court. He's uh, when he was in, in spirit, you know, maybe, you show maybe up to... his spirit wasn't. <laughs> you clock in, but you're not actually. You're not actually, <laughs> you're not actually at work. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, um, I think we've all very quickly forgotten the Houston potential blow up that was was uh Jimbo Slice over there before he was the happy go lucky playmaker just setting everybody else up. Um I've controversially put Bradley Beal as a starter for me, right? And then I get the argument against it. I get it. I get it. Wins, wins, you know, the record is awful. I I can't remember the last time a guy has done so much individually to offset the negative record of his side. Then Bill, obviously, is he's getting memed to high heaven after every game with the sad faces and the shake of the heads and the hands in the head, heads in hands and all that sort of stuff. And his missus probably needs to come off Twitter a little bit. She's very, very vocal when they are shit. Too vocal. It doesn't help, love. Please just put a phone down, please. But the, he's he's just hitting ridiculous, ridiculous numbers. He's the, is he still top scorer in the whole NBA at the moment? Um, if not, maybe less because of the games. He's definitely per game top scorer. And then my other starter is the one I kind of want to mainly focus on is Jalen Brown. And I don't think that's much of a debate for me either. Um, I don't think Jalen Brown's a debate. I think see, Bill, then, I the, the starter is maybe what people would say, but I, I just don't think there is. I think he's been the best player um, ahead of Jason Tatum of a team who have been okay, have been good. The record's probably a bit worse than, than they've actually performed um, in the Boston Celtics. Uh, so, yeah, I've, I think I think Jalen Brown's a shoe in 40 All-Star game this year, if there is an All-Star game. Because, um, you know, the idea of just being very careful about COVID and then sending everybody for a weekend in Atlanta, I'm sure that there is no problems there that may yeah. arise whatsoever. <laughs> I can't see anything going wrong. Zero temptations whatsoever. It is zero temptations. <laughs> Everyone's going to check in, check out. Play the game, lovely stuff. Um, but yeah, I feel like everyone's kind of accepted that he's in. I feel like he needs to be 
a starter. Um, and he I was know. he was unlucky not to get in last season, to be honest, and he's and he's gone up another level now. Absolutely, he was crowded out maybe with our wing depth and Kemba. It feels weird to say after last night, but Kemba still being an All Star starter last year. Um, but yeah, Jalen Brown, he's he's been not just the best player for me in the Boston Celtics. He's been number one option for a lot with Tatum missing COVID, Kemba missing time. Um, he's averaging 27 points. His assists have gone up to three and a half a game, which for someone who was not an, a playmaker at all, really, he was more a spot-up guy last year, is a massive responsibility. Everything's gone up. His mid-range game has just transformed despite no off-season. He was, at one point, the most efficient mid-range player in the league before he came back to earth a little little bit. Um yeah, he's just he's just turning into the complete scorer and and has always been a positive two way player and I just don't think you can look beyond him as a starter this year. Agreed, agreed. Um, who do you have down as your starters, Greg, for the East? Um, so I think I pretty much have the same as as Yas um, in the front court: KD, Yanis, and Embiid. I mean, there's enough said on that front. I think those three are kind of undeniable in their positions there as all star starters. And then in the back court, I have um, Bradley Beal. Obviously, as you mentioned, leading the league in scoring, despite the Wizards being bottom of the East uh, and maybe even having the worst record overall in the NBA. Um, and then, yes, I have really? uh, Jalen Brown as the other guard spot. Oh, so you guys think, completely agreed with each other. I thought there yeah. was a bit of uh, friction. He's, had, a, he's had an insane season. I know we're going to talk about the Celtics um, later on in the pod, but yeah, I think there's arguments to be made for Kyrie and Harden starting um, as either one of them being in, in the starting guard spot. I mean, Harden has spent half of his season in the West, so it is a little bit hard to put him as an East starter. But on, you know, for the fourth side of him starting, you know, he is leading the league in assists. He's been averaging like 24, 25, 11 and 7-ish um, since coming to the Brooklyn Nets. So I wouldn't be too mad at anyone that puts him in an all-star starter um, position. Kyrie has been having a great season so far, but again, he's missed a lot of games. Um, it's kind of hard to put him in an all-star starting position when he's only played... I think under 15 games pretty much and everyone else is is nearing that that 20 game mark yeah cheek, cheeky two-week uh, break for Kyrie there uh yeah so you mentioned that you, you're much more um uh interested in the, the the almost guys the maybe guys so um yeah let's let's hear some of the guys who you think are going to be uh not necessarily controversial but who you feel are definitely deserving of all-star praise this season well, I think I think some of them pick themselves. I think despite missing a little bit of time with COVID, I think Tatum probably gets in just because he, he did last year and he hasn't regressed at all. Uh, Sabonis, again, I feel like Will, he's, he's gone up a level. So again, I feel like he's just a shoe-in. Um, and then, like like we said, sort of, you've got James Harden, you've got Kyrie Irving. They, they, they're not going to not be at the All-Star game. So they're, yeah. they're shoe-ins. And then you've kind of just got this logjam of of guards behind them. Um, you've got Trey Young. You've got Ben Simmons, who again, like if we're talking name, Ben Simmons is just gonna be mentioned and mm. and 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 voted for. I I personally would uh, he's he's not near the top of my list. Like I just he's yeah, not on great. my list. I have he, to agree. <laughs> he's just nowhere near it really. And then like it's like I don't have him in my reserves because I haven't been impressed with him. And then he's not even in my almost all-star list either because I'm reserving that more for people who've impressed me and surprised me. So it's kind of just, but he, I, like, he's probably in, isn't he? Like we're talking yeah, name and stuff. Means, and then yeah. you've got, and then you've got Chris Middleton again, all-star last year. It's not like he's played poor this year. Um, so, so it's a, it's a funny little logjam. 
I'm not sure exactly who I'm, I'm settled on for my um, reserves for sure. But people that I think need consideration that maybe are being overlooked. Gordon Hayward is is yeah. playing to the level. He's what, what do we say? Hooping. He's hooping. <laughs> and he's playing to the sort of level that had him an all-star previously in the West. I, I I struggle to see an argument against him, really. Like, I think he's been fantastic for Charlotte. Um, the I argument think, against him is that there's just so many good forwards in the East. Who would, yeah, but then who would you... I mean, my... my have, I think have, have the you finished your, spots are your... more stacked than, than the forward spots in the East. I mean, it's just stacked all around. Who would you have then as forwards? So for, so for me, I don't know if you finished your your list. I don't don't want to uh, to cut well, you no, off. I've, I've got me... others as well. I've got sort of I've got a Jeremy Grant in there as, right. as a as a maybe, and I've got a Tobias Harris probably I'm I'm fashionable one, but again just playing very very well on a no. top seed in the East. So whatever winnings were, there's that. I consider Levine a, a guard, and and you know, and you could maybe throw him in as a small forward side, and then I'd I'd throw Bam obviously front court. Potentially, he's the one shining light of a di- disgusting <laughs> Miami Heat team. But then I kind of that's what I'm, I'm waiting to hear from either of you. I so I, we're, I think I'm going to mention him. Yeah. So I got for my on my bench. I got Kyrie and Harden. We spoke about obviously bench slash starters, whatever. I got Trey Young, Tatum. Uh, Tatum was having a great season. Or is having a great season. Obviously, he he missed quite a few games with uh with COVID. Sabonis so has been balling out for the Pacers. Uh, he for me makes the All Star bench. And I got Levine and Randall. I think Levine is just, again, the Bulls aren't aren't a great team, but Levine is is just he was balling last season. He's been balling this season. I actually want him to leave Chicago and just take his talent somewhere else. And then Randall with the Knicks. The Knicks, you know, have been that franchise that have been destined to uh, not even mediocrity, just below mediocrity for for so long. And Randall has them, you know, competing for one of the lower playoff spots. So he's averaging twenty and ten plus. Um, you know, he for me makes all star bench as well. And under the near misses section, I've got Bam. Obviously, we've talked about the heat and their struggles. Hayward looking like you know he's getting back to or at that form that he was at before the leg injury. Uh, Sexton from the Cavs, I've got there, he's having a nice season. And last but not least, Middleton. Uh, Middleton started the season strong, he's been you know still consistent. He's their go-to guy down the stretch, but I feel like the other forwards in the league have elevated their game um, more than he's elevated his. So you know, we'll see I think Jalen, Jalen might, Jalen might have pushed him out. I was thinking yeah. if you would mention Malcolm Brogdon, probably you, yes, to be honest. You know what? I like Malcolm Brogdon in it, but I know, I know, Sai was, Sai was big. <laughs> <laughs> Sai All Stars, yeah. You got people like you got people like Trey Young, who's going to be grafting to get in there. Zach Levine, who's carrying a terrible, well, not terrible, yeah. bad Chicago team. Like Brogdon's had a nice season, but um, I'm not, I'm not having him in there, in there just yet. But I think Randall Hayward is probably where. I think one that spot can go to in when you said forwards in front of him, and I I don't know why. Like if you look at raw sort of numbers, Randall's outdoing Gordon Hayward on on just very obvious metrics, rebounds, assists, whatever. Julius, I, I guess it's a, it's what you value to put in an All Star game. I think Gordon Hayward is a better basketball player than Julius Randall. I think he's been a better basketball player this season. Julius Randall's been amazing for a team that have been amazingly surprising to everyone. 
But it's, it helps Julius Randle to get sort of boost a bit of numbers on the Knicks because for all the excitement about the Knicks not being terrible, they're still bad. Mm. And like, he's still sharing the ball with, who are we talking? Okay, RJ Barrett has a good game every four. Um, Austin Rivers randomly like scores Austin 35 Rivers and then, <laughs> and then scores two the next game. Seven in a game. Um, and then, yeah, and it's, it's just a bit of a weird kind of roster. They've got a lot of big still. They've got... Um, sort of Nerland's Noel there, you've got Mitchell Robinson there who are having good years, but their roster just allows Randall to just sort of do whatever and be this point forward and do whatever because they still don't have a lot of talent really on the roster. I think that's more, I see that more as a as a coaching nod and award than than an individual player one. Hayward, Hayward, Hayward has a lot more talent around him, but he's still the go-to guy to close. He's getting last shots, but he's not hogging or anything like that. I don't know, Maybe maybe it's the... Maybe it's the the narrative for me that backs him in terms of the years he's had with the injury and people saying he was done and everything like that. Um, but I think Hayward's been been so good and he's he's changed the role based on the game as well. Sometimes he'll go off for higher points and just be shooting a ridiculous clip. Sometimes he'll take a further back seat uh, and and just kind of play very very team basketball. Greg, I see you on the Twitter as well where you've kind of come to the realization I did a couple of weeks ago that the Charlotte Hornets are so fun to watch and I just well, like, that's, it's not even a realization I was watching them from the start I just like reiterating it that like they have a lot of young talent and they're just a fun team to watch they're not necessarily you know they're well they're not one of the best teams in the league yeah I got cussed on the Twitter for saying this they were like yeah but they're <laughs> shit I was like well, that's not really the point I'm saying I'm saying they're fun and nice and enjoyable I think that yeah. might have Hayward's chance a little bit in that he's in a very team-centric situation it feels like um but he's, he's the main guy to me of a team that, again, I think they've under overperformed, sorry, to, compared to not, maybe not Nick's level, but I think they've overperformed as well, um, considering young coach, new pieces, everything like that. Agreed. So, so yeah, Hayward, Hayward sneaks in for me, man, um, just as a, as, a, as a potential who could, who could just get in off those forward spots. I don't think he's as stacked as the guard spot. Mm. I like Randall. I like the nod to Randall. I agree with you what you mentioned in terms of him kind of getting the touches just because of the makeup of the roster. My thing is always, if that's leading you to wins as well and keeping you competitive, then I'm gonna give you the extra, gonna give you the extra points for that. So I think, yeah, with with the Hornets and with the Knicks, you've got two teams that are uh, under uh, overachieving. Sorry, should I say? Um, that's that's why I'll probably wait till like a couple of days before it closes to to make my decisions in terms of who I'm gonna make my All Star. Um, um, I enjoyed that. That's that's pretty good. And let's uh, switch over to the to the other conference. The, the, the more talented conference, they say. Uh, and you can start this time, Greg. Give us your starters, and then Yas will give us his starters. All right, so my starters uh, for this season so far, uh, Damon Curry at the guard spot, and then LeBron, Kawhi, and Jokic as the forward spots. Um, I don't know cool. really what, what else there is to say. I think those are some solid starters. <laughs> um, how about yourself, Yes. I'm expecting him to have a couple of it itself, didn't it? Kawhi, LeBron, Jokic and Damon Curry. I won't lie, on the Twitter, I put Doncic the other day because I was just like, oh, he's carrying that Dallas team. For... Nah, they man. lost five straight. Yeah, they've lost five straight. And 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 I, I kind of was blindsided by the fact that Dame is carrying Portland every well, even Even why, wins why, aside. Why, like, I'll ask you guys a question. Even wins why aside, does... I think those guys are just playing better. Damon I'll Curry, that is. ask you guys a question, though. Why does Paul George not get into starter? I think, do you know what, it's, I f- I'm finding it increasingly, increasingly hard to separate Paul George and Kawhi. 
in terms of with the Clippers. Because, again, they're quite team-centric now. They share the ball more than they did under Doc Rivers. Like, Tyloo seems to have made that a big point of emphasis. I feel like Paul George started on fire and it was in my MVP case and probably still is. I've been a little, mm. I'll be honest, I've been a little bit quieter on the Clippers just in terms of volume of watching last week or so, 10 days. Um, I think Kawhi's just kind of just overtaking him in terms of just raw numbers and and it's Kawhi. I fucking love Kawhi. Like, I just, <laughs> I just like him more. I've, I think they're so hard to separate that when pushed, I just sort of have said... You I just wish you could, you could split the spot in half and just... Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> <laughs> if, if I put PG in, you, you'd ask the question, why not Kawhi? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I can't remove LeBron, so... Yeah, no. <laughs> individual uh, all-star chances, but it is very good for the Clippers as a as a unit. So so they're, they're sort of a a very, very touch and touch and go, really. Cool, but um, essentially in terms of all the other spots, I'd agree with you guys. Those are the guys who should be starting. Uh, Greg, who did you have as your kind of, your bench and your your almost, the guys who are on the proof? All right, so for the bench, I've got Mitchell. Um, I mean, the Jazz are, well, they won 11 straight um, currently. Yeah, some may, some may say it's a bit harsh not to have a Jazz as a starter, but yeah, like, like Yas says at the start, it's not necessarily about team records and people go for entertainment and buckets and flashy play. And in regards to that, again, the, the Jazz are a team that just execute well. Uh, yeah. I ain't making Rudy Gobert an all-star starter, so yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I've got Mitchell, Luca, uh, PG, Zion and AD, uh, and then Booker and Gobert. Booker for me has had I would say disappointing season, but he just hasn't, um, you know, played maybe to the level that I was expecting, especially with the addition of CP3. Um, Gobert, you know, I think he's quote unquote overpaid, but hey, he, he got the money and he does his job and he does it well. Um, and, you know, you're anchoring the defense uh, of a team that is number one in the West. You know, I, I can't leave you out of the All-Star, um, you know, ballot for that. And then near misses, I have Ingram, John Morant and CJ McCollum. Obviously, CJ has gone down with the injury. Um, John Morant has missed some time, but the Grizzlies are now, you know, in the top eight in the West. Um, and he is obviously, you know, pulling that team along. And then Ingram, obviously the Pelicans have had their struggles, um, but I still think Ingram is, has been solid this season. Mm -hmm. How about yourself, yes? I'm pretty much exactly the same, I won't lie. Um, and I think it's an interesting point about Booker. I feel like... I feel like now he's in a cohesive actual team that is focused on, you know, hey, we're we're good now. And Chris Paul's come in and has the ball in his hands a lot. I feel like Chris Paul's just sort of, I don't know, shoved him out of contention for it a little bit. Like we said, again, name-wise, Chris Paul's going to be in the All-Star game. It's just, it's going to happen. Um, and yeah, so I feel like Booker might, might suffer a little bit there. Um, I'm with you on Ingram. I think Ingram more than deserves his place still still being included. But I'm, I'm basically the exact same. But with the West, I find it, I, there's so many players that I think are having such a good little t season that probably are not going to make this All-Star game. They're just not, right? But I've made a ugly duckling five, uh, almost All-Star Interesting. Five, interesting. I, I, I'm going to guess one, um, and you can tell me if I'm right. Um, is Christian Woods on there? Yeah, Christian Woods on there. Yeah, Christian Woods on there, and uh, do you know what? I, while I was doing this, I won't lie, I almost put a whole five from Houston just because I'm so happy with like John Wall's come back and he looks great as well, mate. They've turned the shittiest situation into something passable. I, and I was looking, I felt so bad for Steven Silas, what the mess he was walking into. I was thinking, I was adamant that John Wall was the, the losing asset in that trade. 
because he hadn't played for two years. Well, he- well, well. <laughs> <laughs> I think we always. I tried to warn that. people. <laughs> and then, oh my God, like the Wizards lost that trade hard, it looks like. Caveat, he might come, quad might fix up whatever, but the fact that Houston were able to just get actual John Wall in this trade and sort of get his mate in Boogie who he's wanted to play with from Kentucky times. And look, maybe they're not like who you'd build a a culture around if you had your pick of the league, right? In an ideal world, there's people who have contrasting opinions about them, whatever. But I feel like them two have come into a situation that maybe wasn't ideal for either at first, new coach. But if you watch them, they've just won five on the bounce. And they were starting on fire. They had the hardened distraction, everything like that. Mm. In the offseason, they had no idea what they were doing in terms of front office. They were like, right, we're going to trade Covington and probably blow it up. Oh, shit, no, wait. Yeah, maybe we'll stick it together. Right, Westbrook wants to go as well. Well, we signed Christian Wood, so we still do have to win a little bit now because he's chosen us in free agency. So it was just a bit of a mess. And it was like, where, where are you going? Like, are you going to keep it? Murray's like, gone. Yeah, like... D'Antoni's whoop. gone. Yeah, Harden wants to leave. Like they've, yeah, they had a big off season. It was a complete upheaval of everything. And despite Boogie and Wall maybe not being everyone's cup of tea, they've come in with someone like Christian Wood as well, who's had to graft to get his starting spot in the league altogether um, for years. And they've just made a scrappy, hard nosed, good to watch team that aren't that are good in the clutch as well. Like they're a good closing team. They're a good late team. John Wall looks brilliant. And well, I won't even like... He's coming and he's, fit, he's fitting well. And do you know who looks good? Looks good. Again, for the same caveat, I can't include them for the Harden started maybe a different conference. Oladipo looks good this year. He's come, he's come back. In, obviously, it's contract year, isn't it? So... Contract yeah. year. He knows where his bread is. He's facing like a true Nigerian. <laughs> <laughs> he's got his priorities straight. But he's got, he looks really good this year. Like I watched them, them against the uh, Pelicans the other night and they scored 75 in the first half. Now, look, Pelicans are a bit of a mess in their own right, but 75 points in the first half. Oladipo was just on fire. Um, so I've actually got Wall and Wood in my I wish they could five in, mm. in terms of a guard and a, and a forward spot. Let me guess, is is SGA there as well? Do you know what? SGA is not there, right? Mm. But, uh, but SGA makes me laugh because the OKC okay, really want to tank. And he's just like, I want to put up 20 and seven or whatever. It's hilarious. My my other guard is Conley, man. I feel like Mike Conley has been cut. never made an all star team. I think he might get it this year. And you talk about uh, uh, the, giving the Jazz credit for their, for their record. Conley as well. Look, Conley, when he joined the Jazz last year, it just didn't really work. And he, after about 10, 15 games, they just sort of relegated into a sixth man. And it was like, look, this is just best for everyone. He didn't have a great year. Something about his baby boy made things burst in the boom for him in the bubble. We started sinking everything. And he, he was he had a really good series against Denver. And he's just started this year brilliantly. Like his raw numbers are, are, are good, like in line with his sort of career numbers. But He's just playing with such poise. He's a really mature presence next to Mitchell, who's a little bit, I don't want to use, it's not, it's not really negative and say inefficient, but he's, you know, Mitchell will chuck it a little bit and Mitchell will. He's, he's young. He's young. There yeah, we, he's, he's young and athletic, you know. He's he, exuberant. He, Great. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> exuberant. 
And I think Conley's just a lovely compliment to that. Deadly hand, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you could you could even even argue that someone like Jordan Clarkson is who I would I was never a, a sick man of the year candidate, I think. Yeah, and so I think they're they're another one like Houston where you could you could kind of pick anyone who kind of deserves it. But I think Mike Conley does, man. I think he's been sick. If he could sneak in there, I just don't know if he will. I like to see. I like to see them give it to him this year. He's been I'd like to. It's like with the Oscars, where you give an old actor an Oscar, even though it's a bit shit. Lifetime achievement about. awards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's like, no time. We got no time for lifetime achievement awards. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we, got, we, got, we got Damon Curry averaging forty. Al Pacino got nothing for like The Godfathers, but he got some shit one like twenty years later. A friend of a woman. Yeah. Um, the thing about Conley is that he he also like he played in the West, man. And if he played in the East, he probably makes an all-star team like four or five times, three, four, five times. So, um, what, he got drafted into 13 years in the league. He's been a steady guard. He had his time with Memphis, who are all, always a kind of fan favourite, neutral favourite. And he's gone to the, the Jazz, like Yas said. He started off badly. But him and um, Gobert, based on all metrics, are basically like the best duo in the league. And when you look at plus minus, and I know Yas, you might roll your eyes. Um, when you look at plus, this is plus minus. They're far and away the, the, the most impressive guys in the league this season so far. So, yeah, he's a he's a great shout. Um, we also do have filling out that roster. The last little one for that five is... I, I kind of cheated. I, let me throw Wood in the in the centre spot to include Oladipo and my free Rockets because they're just... And Jamarant as well, by the way. Like, very, very yeah. easy to slip in there. Like, he's, I know he's missed time. That might kill him a little bit, but he's... But the Grizzlies are fifth in the West now. Bro, they're on six winning streak as well. Jar is Jar's ridiculous. Like it, he's he's yeah he's he's the, he's the next great great point guard in the league. But this is and this is one day we're gonna start the narrative of uh, of Jar versus Zion. Oh mate! Oh, who should have been number one? Yeah, we, it's loading. Listen, it's loading. story time. Story time. I was in New York the day before or the day of the draft. I can't remember that draft. And I was walking down uh, down the road, and I was with my wife, and I was just sort of explaining. They had RJ Barrett Knicks jerseys in the in the NBA store even before the draft had happened, which I was just like, wow, he really is a sure thing to go to the Knicks. I found that quite funny. Um, and then she was like, who's this RJ Barrett guy? I was like, yeah, I'm not huge on this Barrett fella. He's gonna go third. I don't I don't know if I love him. And then she was like, but everyone's on about Zion, aren't they? I said, yeah, yeah, Zion's gonna go. And then she goes, is Zion the best one? Then she's she likes basketball, but she's a casual. She's like Shaq, right? Um, Shaquille O'Neal, not podcast Shaq. Just you know, let me not catch anyone with any strays. Um, I definitely thought you were talking about podcast Shaq. <laughs> but listen, podcast Shaq called Bam Adebayo meh the other day, so I've, I want to have words with him on air soon. But um, yeah, and then she was like, "Who else is in the in the in the draft?" And I said, "Well, there's this second guy called John Morant who I I love. I think he should. I'd pick him first if it was me. And then some nitty." on Fifth Avenue in New York, which is like, yep, I'm all over John Morant. And so just from that, my missus has John Morant's name burned. He And he proper came and started breaking down. Like he didn't look well, but he knew why he liked John Morant as first picking that drop. <laughs> uh, and he was breaking it down, whatever. So I, I love John. And I think, I think rookie, it would have been a crime if like they swindled him out of the rookie of the year when Zion came back last oh, yeah, year. Yeah, definitely. Um, he's, he's class, but my last spot, and this is pure me dying on the hill of favoritism, but I just like what he's kind of become, and I really like the team that he's in just to watch. Um, four time all star, it would be nice if we could, if we could throw another little one at the reinvented point forward, Demar DeRozan, who's 
switched up his game. He's got a little old man playmaker game going on now. He's taking threes, boys, like two a game. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Simmons, Ben Simmons. Are you watching Ben Simmons? Even the yeah, no, we'll get on to Ben. Don't you worry about it, sweetheart. And, uh, yeah, I, he, he's he's way off it. He's, he's not going to get it. It's too, comp- it's too competitive. But I just feel like DeMar... The, the Toronto failings are very tied to him and he, his stock's kind of falling in the league and, and people don't really rate him like that. But DeMar is still a joy. And when DeMar's on it, uh, like against the Nuggets the other night, he can still just go off. It, it was 11 assists and 35 points, I think, the other night. 30 points. And I think they've gone... Playing, I, he's just a joy, man. I think they've gone too far on him. Obviously, we playing this, like, three-point pace and space era, space and space and spacing. So someone who can't shoot, he's immediately labelled as not useful. Um, so he's he went from probably being a bit overrated in Toronto to now being a bit underrated, underrated. what he did in the Spurs and just as a player in general. So yeah, I don't think he's a bad shout at all. And the Spurs again, like um, no matter what their roster is, Pop always seems to find a way to make them competitive. Like they, they, they may not be as good as they were a few years ago, but they're always there and thereabouts. They're always a tough team to beat. Um, so again, I think they're just on the periphery of the playoff spots, aren't they? Um, well, the West, they, the West is so close. They like. I think two days ago they were like fifth in the in the West and now they're ninth. So, who knows? Yeah, this is resembling the Premier League table at the moment. Everyone's got a game in hand that lifts them up two or three. Two that's or three, a that's three. a fo- that's a football reference, Greg. In fact, from uh, from five or nine, they're all four and a half games behind. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, they are. Um, is there anyone Yas hasn't mentioned? A really comprehensive there, Yas. I'd be surprised if there is. Is there anyone that Yas hasn't mentioned? I just want my boys to do well. I just want everyone to shine. shine. <laughs> is there anyone else that Yas hasn't mentioned that comes to mind? Um, no, I think he's. I think he's covered everyone. Yes, cool. Yas has put half the NBA <laughs> in, in the Western. <laughs> the Western I think, I think, look, it's COVID. Everyone's a bit. It's a bit shit year. Let's just double the amount of people we let into the All Star game this year. Get everyone a bit of a bonus on the contracts. Come on, let's let's do it. Yeah, get them all, get them all to Atlanta. That can only end well. Cool, nice. I like that, and we'll and we'll be watching uh, eagerly. And yeah, we'll I guess we can post our our teams uh, on the courtside uh, Twitter account as well. Um, but after All Star talk, uh, yes, I feel like we've avoided uh, your Celtics all season. I reckon that's probably by design more than anything. But you are the Celtics man. They are one of the biggest franchises in the league. Um, so it's only right that you kind of give us your uh, expert look at how they've been doing. So you're coming off a loss against the Lakers. As much as they tried to give that to you at the end there. Um, how, how are you doing this season, generally speaking? You know what? I, I just want to make a point because a couple of people have even asked on the Twitter, like, yo, when are you going to talk about the Celtics? And I'm like, if if I have free reign, if if the leash is not kept tight, yeah, this will become a Celtics podcast. It will be Celtics and friends, Yeah. So I'm trying to not be Bill Simmons about it and and just uh, hijack. So Ad- like, admirable. Yeah, to start like talking like about the 1986 Celtics and Kevin McHale <laughs> and why Larry Bird yeah, was know? the best of all I'll time. I'll bring up Larry Bird for everything. Um, I'll bring up Paul Pierce. I'll be I'll, you'll be talking about all time greats, and I'll just bring up Paul Pierce because of course. Um, so yeah, no, uh, it's and part of the reason as well is I, I think the Celtics are in a very very strange window at the moment and that's kind of the reason I haven't even analysed them too tough on the podcast is because I don't think Danny Ainge really knows what to do with the Celtics at the moment I don't think Brad Stevens really knows what to do with the Celtics at the moment we've got a disproportionate amount of young-ish bench players who some of them if I'm honest are barely NBA players like our bench sucks but some of them are young enough that they clearly want to give it 
a bit of time before before making any moves. The thing that's hanging over our head um, at the moment is look, last last year our big strength was wing depth, and we had um, Haywood, Brown, Tatum. It was very very easy to have two of them on the floor at any given time. I don't think anyone had sort of two way wing depth anywhere close in terms of quality. And, you know, if it wasn't uh, Haywood mid-range game getting you, it was Brown driving to the basket. It was Tatum step back freeze. Like it was, it was dangerous. And Kemba Walker was Kemba Walker, um, at least for the first part of that season. All of a sudden, Kemba's got a knee issue and misses half of the season and is out of rhythm. And Haywood goes to Charlotte. And we are thin, like paper thin. The whole thing about the Haywood loss was how are you going to replace his output? Um, there's all these things about, oh, we could have got Miles Turner. Indiana were trying to shot Miles Turner and give him away, plus a Doug McDermott or a, or a Jeremy Lamb or something like that. It wasn't really clear who came with him. And we opted for a trade exception, a traded player exception, which people have kind of asked on the Twitter as well what exactly that means. Basically, it's like ghost cap space. We, we did a sign and trade with Hayward where we gave two second rounders uh, after signing him to Charlotte. And in return, we've got an exception from the league that is kind of like a whole of cap space worth the first year of his deal, 28 and a half million, that we can basically absorb a player into. Similar to what Golden State did with Kelly Oubre this past year, where they just sort of threw off a few picks for him. And he came in and he didn't put them uh, over over the cap where they where they couldn't otherwise go of it. So it's like ghost cap space that you can kind of keep keep alive. So that's put this undue pressure on, on the roster of rather than you get a nice player in a trade, we've got this imaginary trade exception that every fan is deciding what it needs to be. And it's very, very clear when you look at us that we're missing probably two pieces, three pieces, let alone one, one big piece. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we're at. Like we've got, it was seen as a transitional year and I think everyone was kind of cool with that really until Jalen Brown did what Jalen Brown did. And now it looks like we have two legitimate contending players. We have two players that are averaging 27 points a night. I've got a question for you, yes. Uh, Tatum's always seen as like the better talent, et cetera, et cetera. And the way way Jalen's continued to improve since he's gotten into the league, well, it was the third pick, wasn't he? And there's a lot of question marks, and then so they, got... they were both they were both third picks, but they were there were very uh, different attitudes to them. Like I think we we so we traded is famously traded down from number one to get Tatum, and even Tatum, to be fair, is probably slightly exceeding what is. If you go look at his sort of draft sort of reports and stuff, sorry, man, is a very smooth scorer and very naturally talented guy, but they weren't sure if he had the burst and athleticism to really be elite, elite. And then Jalen Brown was the other way. He was like physically, he was fantastic. But the handle wasn't there. The shooting out from outside wasn't there. Um, he had uh, people saying that he was too smart in his draft interviews and stuff like that because he was so they were worried he'd do too much stuff other than basketball. Like yeah. he wasn't. Yeah, it's 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 a weird one. Yeah, and then he got the big contract, and everyone was like, "Ooh, are they sure they want to tie themselves in?" And now, and now you look at that compared the draft class, he's on like eight million, six million less a year than Jamal Murray. Six seven million less a year than Brandon Ingram. I'm taking him over Jamal Murray just for the two way stuff and the consistency of this year. And Brandon Ingram, I think, is a conversation, um, mm. a, a real conversation, which would be interesting. So, so yeah, look, we've got we've got these two guys who are 
they've gone in a in 18 months with the whole Kyrie Haywood kind of passing of the team over. They've gone in 18 months, and this is what renders the the Kemba signing difficult. They've gone in 18 months from promising to oh shit, actually, the if these could have taken us to an NBA Finals if Haywood was fit. Um, these have just gone last night and outscored AD and LeBron. So we talk about last night's game against the Lakers. Obviously, we lost by a point. All jokes aside, I was more enthused by that than I was disheartened. Firstly, we fucking scored four of their points, which I've never seen happen twice in a game, by the way, tipping in the ball into our own hoop twice. Um, was that was that second time? Did it count as a two or three? A two, was a two. A two. Okay, just checking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so four of their points. And then, but on a free, Kemba went to try and save one from going out of bounds, threw it straight to AD, threw it to LeBron for a three. So we really uh, shot ourselves in the kneecap a little bit last night. Um, and we had a, there was a goal 10, which was missed and will probably come on a two minute report. Marcus Smart is looking like isn't as badly injured as first fought, thankfully, but he was gone in the fourth quarter, which like talking about our bench is, is not great. Our bench was outscored 35 to 15 last night by the Lakers bench. Despite all that, our two outscored their two on similar minutes and usage, and we lost the game by a point. And Jalen Brown missed two free throws in the four. So mm. we've just gone toe-to-toe with the champions elect and everyone's saying they're going to repeat and whatever, and we're not nearly at full strength. So straight away now, it's gone from potential and promise where people are now saying Jalen Brown in particular, because that was the question mark, and Tatum are so good as scorers and as two-way players and as help defenders. And Jalen Brown picks up big assignments defensively. Why can't you contend now? So it's a sticky one. It's a funny one. And then it, NBA, bro, these windows don't... Everyone's like, oh, we've got them 10 years. We don't have them 10 years. We've got Jalen Brown for four and we've got Tatum for four or five. That's, the, that's what you have. That's what they're signed for. Everything after that is up in the air because it's the NBA and... This is Rich Paul's world and we all just live in it, right? So uh, <laughs> everything's up in the air. So we, I don't think we can waste a year not contending now with the level they're at. So what are you... I think Brown is, but Brown is having a hell of a season. You know, to go from 20 points per game last year to 27 this year. Obviously, Tatum has missed a substantial amount of time. So it's given Brown the free range to kind of just take that team uh, by, the, by the horns and lead it. I still think Tatum is the, you know, number one Batman guy on that team, but I think it's incredibly why? close. Why? That's why, that's why I, I think it's, I'm going to get into it. I think it's incredibly close. And I don't actually think, I don't actually think. I know you'll get into it in good detail in a second, but bro, it gets closer by the game. Like, yeah. But I have no idea who I want the ball in the hands of now. Well, like, well I think, think Tatum with those last two buckets last night sort of reaffirmed mm. it, but it's getting closer every game. Well, I think, you know, it doesn't have to be a traditional, okay, I am Batman, you're Robin type of guy. Like, you can have the two of them as 1A, 1B and interchange. Like, they can coexist. It doesn't have to be either or. I do think down the stretch, the Celtics go to Tatum more than they go to Brown. We saw him hit the game winner versus the Bucks early in the season. He hit the one versus the Pistons. um, And then we saw him uh, last night versus the Lakers uh, hit those two shots to to kind of um, pull the game closer. I do think that Tatum creates his own shot slightly better than Brown, but it's literally splitting hairs. Um, I think, if anything, Tatum just looks smoother when he does it. That's, Brown that's can what you know, I create his know. shot. With, Brown with, can create his shot just fine. Um, with, with the create, you know what? Tell me what you think it is, because this is where I kind of, just from what you've seen as well, what you think. The, the level of creating their own shot and, and crunch time is, is small. 
I think Tatum is more likely to Tatum from like that slide step three is is ridiculous. Like he's he's really efficient with it. But I think Tatum is more likely to just pull off the more difficult shot. Like that one against the Lakers where he's come inside onto his left and kind of pulled a floater with the right and and he's just across his body, yeah. Yeah, that was that's that's a really difficult shot to execute. But I feel like Brown just has a more secure handle. I think he he's he can get lower with the ball when he gets into the paint. He can protect it a bit better. Uh, I think he can take contact a little bit better and still finish. I think he's got better hang time around the rim. So I think that I think like you said, they're they're different in the qualities. It's what kind of shot you want from them. Would you agree with that, or would you would you say it's something else? I feel like because Tatum's bigger as well, Brown is 6'6", Tatum is 6'8". I feel like Tatum as well, he's very smart in his shots. He doesn't take very many bad shots, especially when the game is on the line. Like you saw last night versus the Lakers, Caruso's guarding the inbound. He immediately inbounds the ball and goes straight down to the post. You know, the game is is on the line. There's a couple of minutes left in the fourth quarter. He's taking it straight to the basket for an and one layup and then not settling for three and getting to the middle for that floor. So... I really think it's just either or. You know, if you want to put the ball in Brown's hands, you're not going to regret it. If you want to put it in Tatum's hand, you're not going to regret it either. They're what I do think... Me, sorry, Greg. What I do think... giving me Paul George, Kawhi Leonard sort of sort of vibes as a, yeah. as a duo. And yeah, it's just putting the right pieces around him, to be honest with you. Um, what I was going to say for the Celtics is that, you know, you look at them as a team and the teams they're going to be competing with. So... With the Nets, for example, you've got Harden and KD. Are they a better duo than Brown and Tatum? Yes. You look at the Clippers, they got George and Kawhi. Are they a better duo talent-wise? Yes. Uh, then you look at the other teams and the bigs they have, and I think this is where the Celtics kind of struggle because they don't have anyone to guard Embiid down low. We saw Embiid give them work in back-to-back games. Come playoff time, they're going to have to deal with Embiid. If they don't deal with Embiid, they're going to have to deal with Sabonis, who you know isn't as good as Embiid, but is still having a great year. And, you know, he's a 20 and 10 guy. If the Celtics and Pacers meet in the playoffs, I would pick the Celtics. But I do think that series goes six or seven. And then, I think, I think you know, what it, we showed we show previously, I think you're right in that the Pacers are stronger uh, than they have been um, and would be a much more of a test. What we do seem to be good at, despite our size, is like Embiid, we, we swept last year. Granted, Simmons wasn't there and Embiid wasn't in the condition that you want him to be. All that. But I think we are quite good at, letting a guy get his points, but covering off the other threats as, mm. as well as possible in a playoff series. I think we're better in playoff situations than we are regular season a lot of the time. Cause I think Brad Stevens, I'll, I'll, I'll go both ways on Brad Stevens, but I think he is good at scheming for opponents and, and reacting in between games, not within games, maybe good enough, but I think he's really good between games. So I'm, I think you guys I, just need the, the personnel. Yeah, because like last think, night you saw last night you saw Brown guarding oh, Tristan AD. Tristan Thompson was meant to be this guy. Tristan Thompson is done. Tristan Thompson. Is <laughs> done. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you guys can't go into the playoffs with with Tatum and Brown at six six and six eight guarding you know essentially six ten to seven foot guys in the post. Like AD is just rising over all of your defenders and shooting. Um, if, if you if you guys meet them in the finals, you know if the Celtics get there. And in the East, you've got Embiid and Sabonis to deal with. And then when you don't have to deal with a big, I feel like your perimeter duo, although good, and although the Celtics are a good perimeter defensive team and you add in smart uh, to that duo, like they're not as talented as the other elite guys in the league in their partnerships. So it's not that they're not, it's not that they're not bad. They're not average. They're better than average. They're good, but they're not great compared to the other talents of the league. I think... 
they've won playoff series that they probably weren't ready for really as a rookie and a sophomore in 2018. Uh, last year, they were taking us without Haywood against Toronto, taking us through against Toronto with Haywood missed that whole series. So they're kind of being thrust into this responsibility and are delivering on it. And I think with Brown as well in particular, and this is what kind of gets people so excited about him. Brown last year, there were times he was relegated to a spot-up guy and because you had to fit in Kemba and Haywood and everything like that. Brown now, with no real off-season seemingly to improve, is handling in the pick-and-roll, is playmaking, is driving into the rim and kicking it out, uh, knows where the shooters are. Um, he's making small, smart little passes into the restricted area when he's when he's crowded out. Like The floater and the mid-range is getting better every year. He's more reliable from free. His free throws are a bit better now. Like He's just... He just better every year and it's not just better it's it's better with higher usage and harder things to do so yeah like they just and i i can't you the Kawhi george point is a, an interesting one because i can't think of too many teams morale that are wing wing based like everyone seems to either have a point guard or a big man as one of their two mm. we've got greg the encyclopedia here so i'm sure he'll be able to to throw me one any minute but but it's an interesting one to have to build around because the pieces have to be right. Like we need a guard that can defend that maybe isn't a shoot first guy like Kemba because now it's taken away from them a little bit, you know? And then, yeah, okay, we got we maybe want a big, but then you don't want to be wasting your time with the ball in the post too often when you've got these two efficient all-rounders. So I don't know what we're going to do with this trade exception, but that bench is disgusting. It makes me sick. So something needs to happen. And I think... People are clamoring for like an Aaron Gordon or a Harrison Barnes just to have another wing or something. But, but I don't know. I hope the front office have a better idea than I do. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, thanks for that. Last thing I want to ask you about the Celtics. Succinct as you can. Um, I've been hearing a lot about this this rookie, Pritchard. I know he's old for a rookie. He's, what, 22, 23? Yeah. And what, yeah. what are your he's early... older than Tatum. <laughs> <laughs> what, are your, what are your early thoughts on him? He, play, he plays uh, hard. He's good, man. All the draft nerds said he was shit. All the draft nerds were like, "Now nah, we had him at 60 on our big board and that. But he's close. Like, he, he gets in, does the job. He's already better than Jeff Teague. So that's nice for him. Um, <laughs> it's just older older rookies, isn't it? You don't really know the ceiling, but he, 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 he can shoot. He doesn't waste his shots. He's quick. He can finish uh, to, against much bigger guys. Uh, his handling's decent. He at least competes on defense, even if he's, he's not too big. Because Danny Ainge is obsessed with guards that are shorter than me, I don't, I don't know why. But no, he's good. He's good. I don't know what the ceiling is, but like I will play him as our second choice point guard happily. Sweet, nice one. Uh, and let's talk about uh, another team in the East, the fourteen and six Philadelphia 76ers. Listen, since we started courtside, and this is episode forty, sneaks up on you, doesn't it? But since we started uh, courtside, we've been talking about the curious case of the 76ers. Um, they beat the Lakers this week. Um, Embiid, like Yasser says, and like we've mentioned on previous pods, is an MVP candidate. Um, he seems to have turned the corners, becoming the player we've wanted him to be. Um, Greg, how seriously are you taking the 76ers this season? Um, I mean, they're number one in the East, so I'm not going to say I'm not taking them seriously. Um, do I think they're going to the finals? Probably not. I think I'll have the Nets ahead of them, but... They are having a very good season. Obviously, new coach with Doc Rivers. Embiid is uh, is playing the best basketball of his career. 
Um, you mentioned he's an MVP candidate. He is my MVP, you know, if the season was to end today. Um, I just think, you know, Ben Simmons is holding that team back. Uh, he's, I think, fourth in scoring wow, on the I was team. I going to ask you about him, but you didn't even... <laughs> <laughs> I've talked at length about how good Embiid has been, uh, you know, on the pod a couple of episodes back. But just to just to recap, you know, his, he's best in the league in terms of low post by the numbers and just from watching him, especially on that left block, um, you know, posting up, getting to the basket, fadeaway jump shots, right elbow, left elbow. He's drawing fouls. He's shooting free throws efficiently. He's only shooting a couple of threes a game. He's shooting 40% from three. Like offensively, that I have no qualms of him being offensively. Like he's just he's just balling. Um, he's anchoring the defense. I think the Sixers are, are fifth or sixth in the league in defensive rating at, at the time of us recording this. Like, you know, I can't ask for anything more than Embiid. Uh, you know, he's putting up, you know, 35 uh, and 10 in back-to-back games versus the uh, Celtics. He's had a couple, he's had a, he's a 40-point game versus the Heat. Like, he's just, he's just balling out of control. Um, Tobias Harris, we spoke about earlier in the podcast in the All-Star section. He's been playing uh, well, averaging 19 or so a game. Uh, Seth Curry is in his first season with the Sixers. He's been playing well. Um, the difference, and I know we're going to talk about Simmons later, but the difference with, with Curry on the floor versus when he's not on the floor or not in the game, he's able to stretch that floor and really give Embiid some space down low. And uh, I think this is what Simmons needs to be doing. And if he's not going to be a shooter, you know, from three-point line, I don't expect him to magically wake up with a three-point shot, but I would like to see Simmons, number one, be more aggressive. Uh, taking more shots and going to the basket more often. Uh, and number two, he doesn't have to shoot threes. You know, we know he's not a three-point shooter, but he needs to be some sort of a threat for mid-range. Because again, when it comes down to the postseason, uh, the game's going to slow down. Defenses are going to take away your number one scoring uh, preference. And what we saw last year is Embiid having to go for 40, you know, damn near every night because the spacing isn't there. Agreed. I think, yeah, they definitely addressed some of those issues with with the likes of Steph Curry and Tobias Harris. I don't think anyone's ever thought he was a bad player. In fact, most people probably tell you he's a good player, a pretty good player. Mm. Just that contract is is a sort of contract that you give to the number one option on a team that's going to win the title. Um, what I saw from the early parts of the Lakers game with Simmons specifically was, as you know, with regular season, defence comes and goes within a two-minute stretch even. So they were letting him get to the basket a lot, slashing to the basket, um, and if he's not doing that, and like you say, they're always going to take away your first option in the in the playoffs. Um, what value is he bringing? Yes, um, I know he's an All NBA level defender, and we talk about his court vision. But how sustainable is he as your number two option? This, this is the this is the problem, and I really like Ben Simmons. Like you talk about pieces around Tatum and Brown, I feel like he's almost perfect for us in a, in a funny way. But um, I've had, I've, as a fan, I've gone up against him in two playoff series over the last three years. And at no point have I ever seen him as a threat. Even with the one he missed just gone, I, I was like, well, yeah, he's missing. Okay, they lose something on the defensive end to match up with Tatum or whatever. But I, I was just like, it's, I don't know how much of a net negative it is really offensively. Like, he's just like... He's, fifth, in the, he's fifth on the team in scoring. On the team, he's fifth. Wild, and he's he's there. He's their thing that they weren't willing to give up in. Well, arguably, we don't know behind closed doors, but he was like a no, no, no. He was a big thing in the Harden. Like, yeah. Bro, you give him up for Harden every time. In a heartbeat. You know what? You switch those two. They're title favorites. 
hundred percent. And I, I, I still feel like um, that they were my preseasons to come out of the East, right? But that was pre-hardened to Brooklyn. I still, I feel like Brooklyn's firepower is just silly. But I, I think it's an interesting matchup. Like, I don't know, Greg, maybe chiming in a little bit. I don't know who's going to guard Embiid for Brooklyn. It's not DeAndre Jordan. Nobody. It's Nobody. not KD. So, <laughs> so that, that, that would be a really interesting series stylistically. But I, I think they've got a lot to them. And I think they should be looking at getting out of the East as, as their objective. I think, I think maybe they're missing a little bit of wing quality. I think Seth Curry's class and has really developed into a really useful player. I think Tobias Harris is having a really good year. Danny Green won't be as bad as he was last year in the playoffs. I'm, I'm pretty confident of that. But then again, you don't want to rely on maybe those three. Maybe you want another good wing player. But they've got good young players as well. I really like Shake Milton. I, I love Tyrese Maxey. I was gutted that he dropped to 21 and we maybe didn't chant. Sat on here. I really like Tyrese Maxey. They've got good pieces, but I'm, I'm with Greg in that just the the Simmons thing. I feel like it's not even Embiid that gets held back. It's Simmons himself that gets held back. And they're always playing a diet version of him in in that in that team because the paint isn't open for him. He, he I don't know. People obsess over the three-point shot. It's not even the three-point shot. Just just have a floater. Have a hook. You, can, a... you can be successful in the league without having a three-point shot. Bro, I know, you know the three-point three shot, shot has exploded in popularity. But any sort you, of I mean, look, we were talking about DeRozan earlier. Yeah. Like, DeRozan imagine, could still imagine, give you 25 imagine, a game. Imagine if he was scoring from DeRozan range with his defense, that would be a joke. He doesn't need the yeah. three-pointer. It's, it's a weird thing that people are obsessed with. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's averaging 9.2 shots a game. He's not even he's, averaging 10 shots a game. But I think at so this like point now, yeah, aggressive. he's scared to shoot it. He's scared to shoot it and he looks to do other things on the court before he... But then if, if, you've got, if, you've got, if you've got your second player of your franchise scared to shoot the ball, you just, you're done. You need to get rid of him. Like, and it sounds harsh, but you're in an elite sporting environment. What would MJ say? You need a wristband. To say, what, what would <laughs> to MJ would take it personally, to be honest. Yeah, get me. So I, I think... It's just a weird one, man. Like, and he's not had a great season, Simmons. Like, there's been games where Sixers fans will get really excited. Like, oh, he looked aggressive in the fourth quarter against the Celtics, and it's like, yeah, all right, cool. Um, it's still just is is a bit in the way. I think it can work because they've got three good shooters around them. Um, but he just needs to add something. And the the thing you hear is that he's not really that guy. We talked about Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown goes away every season, comes back with two or three new things in his arsenal, and he's really good at them. Ben Simmons is the same player as he was three years ago. Well, this this is what the, the the report of the NBA GMs came out and said. There was like an anonymous report from, you know, an NBA GM out there and said, you know, Simmons is the same guy that he was four years ago, whenever, however long it was that he was drafted. He hasn't added added anything to his game. He hasn't improved necessarily. Okay, you're 6'10", 6'11", you're a good defender and you're a good passer, but what else are you bringing to the table? And I think for... For a team where his flaws are so obvious, he, he really should be doubling down on those. Yeah, it's, it's, it's what we discussed um, earlier, Greg, where it's like guys are going away and instead of improving on their weaknesses like a Jalen Brown does, they focus on the things they're already good at. I want to see vids of you bringing the ball up the court or you beating guys. Like, we already know you can do that. Like you've both mentioned here, his range doesn't need to extend as far out as the um, 
the three-point line. You just need to have a reliable mid-range game because in the playoffs, in, in all honesty, a lot of the times teams will block off the paint. So obviously that means that's stopping him getting to the basket and they're going to defend a three-point line really well. The mid-range is always there and it's always going to be there because all the analytics tell you it's not a good shot to take. So you spend your time getting that 12 to 18 footer in there and you you go up a level and you go up a level and the 76 has become title title favorites. Last word on Simmons. Well, you see, well, last word on Simmons for me is that we talk about all this stuff about oh well if he needs this jumper and maybe he needs to finish both hands as good and you know only in track. At the end of the day, right? If you look around the league about the successful players, right? LeBron, Kawhi, um, Jimmy Butler last year, what he did with Miami, like they they're winners. Their characters are that of winners. They have winning mentalities. They don't settle. They don't um, allow their teammates to settle. They maybe do things that people don't agree with. They're aggressive in game. They put their body on the line. They bend the rules. I've never, ever, ever seen Ben Simmons like take over a game and like and and really will a win for a team. I've mm. never seen him do that. He's got Josh Jackson calling him a bitch to his face and Giannis calling him a fucking <laughs> baby. And he's cool with that. He's all right because he's 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 chilling. He's got his money, he's whatever. Like I've, I, there's a character thing for me as well with Ben Simmons now where I, I really rate him and all this, yeah, cool, tick, 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 la, 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 la. But there's a character thing where I just don't look at him and see a winning player in that sense, in terms of competitiveness, in terms of drive, in terms of um, motivation, in terms of almost rivalry that he's creating for himself. Like you look at people like Embiid, Harden, Giannis, they're always chirping at someone. They're always having a go. You need that chip on your shoulder, man. I think yeah. a lot of people do. And I think Ben Simmons, he just settles for just what he is. And I think that's the biggest thing is away from the technical, away from the tactical, away from all of this stuff. I just don't, see him as someone you want to pin your hopes on anymore um and i think that's the the biggest indictment i can give him really well i feel like for me i mean you look at the sixes when they play and when Embiid has the ball in that low post if he's in single coverage he's going to work if he gets double teamed it's pass pass you know open shot usually from three-point range so from Embiid being aggressive he's 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 moving the defense he's demanding what the defense does and if he get hit if he gets his then he gets his and he goes off for 40 like we've seen him do this season if he doesn't get his he's making that pass and he's opening up uh you know opportunities for his teammates with Simmons on the other hand he's only shooting the ball less than 10 times a game so he's not looking to score he's not being aggressive from a scoring not front. His. <laughs> he's not driving to the basket like he should um, which, you know, isn't collapsing the defense, isn't giving Embiid open looks, you know, driving and kicking to his teammates. Yeah, he can do it a little bit, but if he was to be more aggressive, I think his teammates would get better looks from him driving and kicking. And then offensively, when the ball does get swung to him, he can't hit the jump, he can't hit the jump shot. So, you know, 13 points a game and eight assists. Yeah, you know, eight assists is nice, but it's not irreplaceable. Yeah, your defense is pretty much irreplaceable, but... You know, I personally feel like the Sixers would be better off with a maybe more traditional point guard who is a better passer than than Simmons is and then go out and get like a, a two or three that can play defense at a good level. Bill for, Bill for Simmons, who says no? I think, I think Washington say no, especially as they're locked into Westbrook. Can you yeah. imagine Bill and Westbrook? West, um, Westbrook and, and Simmons on the same team. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Westbrook and Simmons, oh my God, it would be, be the worst... Back but not even not even someone like Bradley Bill. I think 
you have to, I think at this point, if he's not going to improve his game, Simmons has to go to the front court, man. Um, Bro, even even someone like Drew Holiday, if you swap Simmons and Drew Holiday, that Sixers team is instantly better. What yeah. do you think about uh, what, what, do you think there's any, any way they could they could get Kyle Lowry for the playoffs? Because I, I I've, I've said it, I've said it on the pod. I think Toronto are going nowhere. Yeah, I'm not saying know. they're awful. I'm saying they're middling and they're not going to achieve anything. And Masai has shown that he can blow stuff up. If I'm Masai, he's got Kyle Lowry expiring this year. See if he can move Siakam, build around OG and Boucher and Van Vliet. I reckon if you get Kyle Lowry there somehow, I don't know if it's buyout or if it's or if it's what. Um, Kyle Lowry be- is definitely a great piece for them, but I think uh, the Raptors say no to that. Well, I think I think who, I think he's going to take Simmons. That's what I was going to say. He's like Simmons. a he's like a three and D player without the three. Yeah, Simmons. Someone will though. Someone someone will talk themselves into Knicks. Just you can. Him. I just think you have to you have to transform what your expectations are of him. And everybody says a lot of people say they they see him as a small ball five, surround him with four shooters sort of thing. Um, but yeah, if his guard skills, perimeter skills, scoring skills aren't going to improve, um, that caps him. Um, I think. I want to see um, the Nets and the Sixers go at it in a seven-game series with everyone healthy. The Nets have basically said, you know what? We can't defend. Don't worry about it. We're just going to put up 130, 140. <laughs> let's, see if you can, let's see if you can keep up with us, boys. So, um, yeah, that's, that's where they've decided to go, go with it. So it'll be an interesting battle to watch. Um, yes, always a pleasure. Likewise, of course. Greg. I feel like I've been on here in ages, Mara. What's going on? It's like a week. Honestly, a week. It's been a week, and it feels like it feels like longer than um, than that. Uh, Greg, you're you're making this a bit of a habit, sir. I know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even what? when I got a new microphone as well. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's worth it. It's nice, isn't it? it Take you long to get your feet under the table, there, Greg. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> contraptions and all sorts. Uh, so just a thank you, thank you both for your time this afternoon. That that was an enjoyable pod. Um, take care, lads. Yeah, take care. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.